In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Shoot it! We deliver tickets, team merchandise, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. Welcome to the Daily Mythian Grizzlies podcast, where we're a little more than three weeks away from the start of the NBA training camp, but instead of looking forward, we're going to look back one last time. I'm Chris Harrington, and I'm joined this week by colleagues Jeff Hawkins and Don Wade, and we're going to mull over five questions about five stories from the Grizzlies this summer. What's up, guys? Good. Ready Good. for it to get uh, cranking up. Um, so, so the Grizzlies, for the second time in franchise history, Brought home a summer league championship instead of the um, the secondary summer league title in Orlando. It was the big one in Las Vegas this summer. Do we make anything of that? Is there anything to take away from that that experience? No, I thought the two things to take away from summer league were uh, that Brandon Clark looked good. Um, now, obviously, looking good in summer league is different than looking good uh, in 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 regular league. Um, but he looked explosive. Like you could imagine that some of the things that he was doing might translate. Um, and so that was one thing. And then the second thing, it wasn't the, uh, who cares if they won the title, but it was the, they are rebuilding something here. And I do think the joy that Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, who weren't playing, right. that they had around that title felt, and who knows how durable that will be, but that felt like a, like the start of building something. So it wasn't the title, but it was the, the, the sense of, of, of joy that the, the meaningful players took in it that I take something from. That's how I would interpret it. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw the same thing. And I think if you extend what you saw from John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., best case scenario, you see them having the same kind of relationship that Mike Conley and Mark Gasol had in the glory days here and, you know, and they were showing, you know, a degree of leadership, even as really young players by being there and being supportive. I I think that's the right answer. Um, When I talked to Brad Jones, the um, new Grizzlies quasi lead assistant um, earlier this summer, that was his takeaway from summer league. It was, he was surprised to see not only that some of the players who weren't playing sort of showed up for the beginning, right. but they stuck around and they were always there. They were celebrating in the locker room and they were hanging out in the practice court and they were in the arena watching games and not just Jaron Jackson and John Morant, but Dylan Brooks was hanging out and, and Anthony Melton was hanging out and Kyle right. Anderson was hanging out. And yeah, Jonas Valanciunas, I think even came in briefly. And, and this idea that, that sort of, that sort of culture building exercise and trying to create that atmosphere. And what Jones said was like, you know, those roster players who weren't even playing in summer league were celebrating the the wins of these guys who they may never see again. Like most right. of those players who played the summer league team will never, will not, probably won't even play for the hustle, much less the Grizzlies. I, I think they were celebrating the enterprise, right? I right. think that's true. And it's, I mean, I, culture can be overrated, et cetera, but I think culture is a big part of, of, why the last iteration of the Grizzlies worked. And if you look, hell, look at the, look at the Washington Wizards. They have talented players who don't get along. I mean, like they did, they they did, they did. And so, um, I do think it matters. And, um, and I think it, 
it, it infused the whole for the people who watch too with a sense of joy. You've made this point before, Chris, that um, you're not. There's going to be change. There will be people who said the, the Grizzlies will never be the same because the core four. No, they're not going to be the same, but there will be a different cast. And, and that can be, and to me, the, the, the biggest thing about the off season was having put off the switch, the, the put off the let's look to the future for so long. They finally did it. I don't even begrudge them for how long they tried to milk right. the last one and how incredibly quickly, partly by just luck partly by design, partly by luck, it has come together in that there's something it's exciting. theoretically come together. There's something exciting to look yes. forward to. That's all I mean. Is in terms of a, in terms of a, oh, here's the plan. Here are the stars who we're going to, or potential stars we're going to look at. They have at least psychologically or, or you know, turned the page in a, in a way that is remarkable. And, um, and so, and I think that was all part of that. It's here we are out with the old in with the new. And what we saw over the summer was part of the new. Are they going to do related to summer league? Are we going to have a special, the promotions haven't come out. They're come out. They'll come out later this month. Are we going to have a chili dog and chicken fingers promotion at FedEx forum this year? <laughs> in honor for people who don't know. Yes. I mean, during the broadcast, um, Jer- they showed Jaron Jackson jr. And John Morant. <laughs> In the stands, um, eating, e- eating, eating, sucking on chili dogs, as John Cougar Mellencamp once said, and, and eating some chicken fingers. And it that prompted uh, our former Memphis colleague, I guess maybe you guys worked with Dan Walton, got yeah, pounded for that. Yeah, he, he asked in all caps, Do the Grizzlies even have a nutritionist? So we're not concerned about the lack of nutritionists. I, I don't believe we are. We are listen, Marcus saw before he turned over, before he ate strictly his own grown home foam vegetables, he used to eat Big Macs. So, you know, I think there are different ways to. To get this done, um, I think John Morant could stand to put on a few pounds. So I'm not worried about him <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of Taylor Jenkins, speaking of um, Brad Jones, um, another story this summer was the Taylor Jenkins put together his coaching staff. It includes the first female assistant coach in Grizzlies history, and Niall Ivy. It also includes no one who has ever been an NBA head coach or I think an NBA lead assistant. And that includes Taylor Jenkins, who has never been an NBA lead assistant, who at age 34 will be the second youngest head coach in the NBA this season. And the only NBA head coach to never play basketball past the high school level. Is it a bigger surprise that the Grizzlies added their first female head coach or that their entire coaching staff has comparatively little NBA experience? For me, it's that there's, there's no coach with head previous head coaching experience, but yet at the NBA give, level, at the NBA level, but yet given this front office and the way everything has been done, I don't find it surprising at all. To me, it, it fits with the whole narrative that the front office is going to be very involved every step of the way that to whatever extent data mattered before it matters even more. Now, you know, this is not only not your father's NBA team. This is not your older brother's NBA team. You know, they don't really care about how anything was done previously. They have a vision for how they want to do things and they're committed to it. And, you know, it would almost have seemed unusual if they would have, you know, put a quote unquote retread on the bench Right. Just to have one. well, it, it brings up the conversation that we used to have in Memphis around Josh Pastner. Like, where's the old former right. head coach next to you to show you the way? And and I do think it speaks to a level of confidence that they have. And you know, may, maybe that confidence will will in down the line, whether that's organizational or across the board, like seem to be overconfidence. But 
I think so far that I think they feel confident in what they're doing. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not surprised at all. I would have been surprised had they not hired a, uh, Female. It was telegraphed a little after bit. the opening yeah. press conference, where he basically right. said he was going to. So, um, or you thought that was certainly. Uh, and then it turns out she's the seventh. I think seventh. That's seventh. the thing I was going to point out is that it, it became, and maybe in a good way, a little bit less of a story than it would have been because it's part of this huge influx of female coaches into right. the NBA this season. Right. We went from Becky Hammond by herself to the, there will be seven yeah. uh, women. Well, assistants. that's how history changes, right? Oh, slowly and slowly and slowly, right. and then all at once. And, that's right. Uh, and so, um, so that wasn't a surprise to me at all. The other is a little bit of a surprise. If you look at the, if you look at the front office, for example, there are definitely people in positions that they have never filled before. Jason Wexler being one of them. He's never been head of an entire organization, including the basketball side. Um, Zach Kleiman is another one. He's never been a GM, et cetera. But they did go out and hire the equivalent of two former head coaches, right? In the sense of two former GMs who are now in the front office. Um, and so they did surround. Talk them. about Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald. Yeah. Glenn Grunwald is an advisor. He is right. not in Memphis. In the front office, right. But he's at least part of the staff. Um, in the end, I think this the reason the reason people wanted Josh to have a experienced head coach because they didn't believe in Josh because they thought he was a moron as a head, right. as a head coach. Well, they and so they thought- wanted someone else to. Whereas if Taylor Jake, like did Brad Stevens, I have no idea. When Brad Stevens right. was first got the job uh, at Butler, did he have a or is just like Brad Stevens is competent and smart, so he didn't need some old guy telling him what to do. I think it, it absolutely reflects your level of confidence and what I think this is appropriate. What this this front office is very clearly um, emphasizing smarts, right? And and it, it, now it's their own particular definition of smarts, and whether that it's too narrow, we'll see. But um, but that's what they're emphasizing over over experience, and I I don't disagree with that. I think if Taylor Jenkins is a great head coach, it doesn't matter that he doesn't have whomever uh, sitting on the bench with him um, telling him what to do. Lionel Hollins was here, obviously. He wasn't. I guess when Lionel was an assistant, he was he was not a former head coach. When Lionel was here, he had an been an interim head. coach. He'd been an interim head yeah. coach. Yeah, I don't I don't consider this some fatal flaw of the franchise right. here. It, well, it also speaks to that this is about development. This, I think with Josh, there was the feeling we need that wise old head to draw up the play because that's going to be the difference in three wins that's and three point. losses, right? You're it not, was about winning games immediately yeah, you're in not, that context. you're not thinking right? in those terms. And you don't have to look any further than the St. Louis Cardinals. Mike Schilt, the manager of, of the Cardinals who were in first place, he played not one day of professional baseball. He was a walk-on on his college team. And he came up through the organization, kind of, you know, the baseball parallel to, to the way a lot of these people have come up in organizations in the NBA. And by all accounts, he's doing a really good job. All right, we're going to take a break from our questions to remind everyone that the Grizzlies podcast is now brought to you by FedEx. Possibilities, what we deliver by delivering. Our, our third summer question, the Grizzlies announced that they will, the throwback they will be wearing, their special jerseys they'll be wearing this coming season are going to be throwback jerseys. And for this season, they will be wearing the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, teal throwbacks. They will say Vancouver on the front, not Memphis. Do we think this is problematic? Will this be problematic when they actually take the floor in Vancouver jerseys? 
It's not to me. Uh, two things. Well, it's that, not to you, but you don't live in Vancouver. No, two, two things this to me. One is they weren't allowed. If they, they, they could not take the jersey, strip the Vancouver off, keep them teal, and have it say Memphis because of um, – That might have been more problematic even if they could have done that. <laughs> right, the appropriation. There. Right. So they can't do that. So if you're going to do throwbacks, you have to do throwbacks. Yep. And um, I'll be honest. I So the the – I grew up as a fan of the Buffalo Braves. Bob McAdoo, Ernie DiGregorio. If you see Kawhi Leonard Randy in a Buffalo Smith, Braves jersey, what are you going to think? He is going to be, and they are bringing back oh, are Braves. The Buffalo Braves. Okay. They are bringing back Buffalo Braves throwbacks this year. Doesn't bother me in the least. It bothered me when John Y. Brown sold Bob McAdoo to the freaking Knicks for nothing. It bothered me when they traded Swen Nader, when they acquired Swen Nader from Milwaukee for the trip to, for the pick that became Marcus Johnson. Those things bothered me. It bothered me when he ripped the team out of my city. That bothered me. Right. But it doesn't bother me at all that they're going to be wearing Buffalo. I it, not in the slightest. I feel like there's enough distance now. Nineteen years. Um, there's so there was so little history in Vancouver. It's a different owner of the team. It's not the owner that took the team out of Vancouver anymore. And the other thing is that that's not a team. Memphis did the, the team was taken out of Vancouver. Memphis didn't take the team out of Vancouver. It was decided. It was not an Oklahoma City Seattle scenario. It was decided the owner who had the team at the time, Michael Heisley, decided I'm moving this team. Period. Right. And then he went looking. Okay. For well, let's to ask it. if if uh, if the Oklahoma City Thunder wore Seattle, would that be a stick? Would that be a problem? Yes, in a major, <laughs> major significant way. Because there was real history It'd there. be a riot-level situation in, 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 in Seattle, yes. What do you think, Don? Well, I experienced loss of a team, too, in Kansas City. Charles Finley moved the A's That's right. to Oakland, and they yeah. went and they won three straight World Series. And not long after that, you know, of course, we got a team in the Royals. Uh, there was a point in time where that would have been a big problem because, you know, when Charles Finley still owned the team because he was very much hated. And when the A's would come into Kansas City uh, in the early days when the, of the Royals, there would be brawls in the cheap seats at Royal Stadium, especially on weekend games. I mean, you went to watch the brawls as much as you did the games. A's fans and Royals fans just, you know, fists flying everywhere it you know so that that stuff is real i don't think we're going to have a vancouver memphis situation like that though. well you're, you're related historical footnote is that the worst throwbacks the grizzlies have ever worn were the memphis tams throwbacks from the aba <laughs> oh, yeah. era who were owned by charles finley <laughs> yeah. and had, had the, the the yellow and the green ace colors that's exactly i'll right. confess i don't know what you guys think um i am not a fan of the vancouver look i know it's oh, become very like popular in recent yeah. years I don't like those teal uniforms. No, I don't either. The, p- people evidently they say that the. I mean, they're already selling stuff that had. That. They were already selling yes, yes. Van- Vancouver Grizzly stuff yes, in the Memphis Grizzlies team and it's store. Sold yes. very well, and it's become increasingly popular. Sort of campy. I think there's a campy quality. People that the, whatever they reembrace or something. I don't like them either, um, but. We're going to see you in a Vancouver throwback, Don. Is that is that, is that your, is that your <laughs> yeah, look? I was just going to say, you know, if you're a. Um, a white male of a certain age, you cannot pull off that jersey, and you should not try. Can you pull off any jersey? <laughs> right, yes. No, uh, you should not try. You, you know, try. probably. I'm not sure you can. I own one a jersey, a Salvador Perez jersey that was a gift. I think baseball is a little easier. You know, of the and I've worn it to one Royals game, and otherwise it's never been off the rack. So, this, is, this is a good aside. I like this. So you have a Salvador Perez 
uh, catcher. Um, that's baseball. That's your only jersey you own? That I've ever owned that okay. had a player's name on the back. What If I was going to own something, the throwback stuff from baseball or football, like a Lenny Dawson jersey would interest me. Right. I own two jerseys, one of which I've worn once and one of which I've never worn. I just have it like in a drawer somewhere. I've got a Kevin Garnett Timberwolves jersey, which I wore once, and that was uh, to the PH Cafe. We were watching um, the the Celtics um, Lakers, right? In the finals with Kevin Garnett. I was wearing my so I wore that once and I've got a Rasheed Wallace Pistons, which I've never worn. But I don't. Yes, I did don't you think buy them for yourself. You bought. Them I for- did, but the the sheet one I bought. Like I was walking through a mall and they had like a clearance rack of jerseys. I was like, okay, I'll come look. And it was like twenty dollars. I'm not going to buy a sheet jersey for right. twenty bucks when it's right in front of me. I'm not even looking for it. Yes, but I don't think I, I would feel comfortable wearing those in public. At this I point used in my life. to wear when I played street hockey Buffalo Sabers jerseys to play street hockey in, like I, when I was twelve. Uh, my son did give me a Jack Eichel Buffalo Sabres jersey. I have never worn it or taken out of my. I'd taken out of my. I, I just can't do that. Right. No, absolutely not. We, we are all. Prop- I'm just. I'm all low call now. We're all properly sheepish about grown men wearing jerseys. <laughs> right, exactly. so that, that, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. All right. Question four. Um, the Grizzlies have been. I think they're still doing this. Technically, they've been on their round town tour, which is some phrasing from early in their tenure in Memphis that they've kept around for their um, community engagement stuff to do during the summer. Um, some of that's been in Memphis, but they've been all over the place. They've been in Nashville, Birmingham, Little Rock. They went. They were in Murray, Kentucky, because they think they can sell some tickets in Murray, Kentucky now because of John Morant. And John Morant has really, I think, been the most prominent player in all of this. He's made two trips, as you noted, Don, to AutoZone Park, once to smash the gu- guitar at a Memphis 901 FC game and once to throw at a first pitch at a Redbirds game. Um, is John Morant already, without playing a game, the face of the franchise? Uh, I think he is, but but quick aside, best first pitch by a Grizzlies player in history. I mean, it was it, oh, oh yeah, brought it was, the heat. Yeah, the uh, the Redbirds uh, pitcher who was on the receiving end of it put it in the mid seventies. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know we've had pitches that were lucky to get there at all. But uh, I think he is. It was interesting in the kind of the bowels of AutoZone Park. Um, you know, before he did his press availability and after, people were clamoring to get pictures and autographs. This included Redbirds outfielder Justin Williams, but also the three Pacific Coast League umpires assigned to the game were getting pictures and autographs of John Morant. That happens when you're a number two pick, right? I mean, that's... I think John Morant has three... I think people are sleeping on Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit, not just in this conversation, but during the summer in terms of this. I think John Morant has three things going for him. Um, one, he plays with a flair. Um, two, he's a smaller player and that's more relatable to people as a guard than as a big man. And three, he's got the cool name, right? John, right. I mean, Jared Jackson Jr. is like a, the most basic right. basketball player name. Like I get confused because you got Jared Jackson and Josh Jackson and Justin Jackson and it's all these Jacksons everywhere. Two of those play for the Grizzlies technically. Uh, whereas John Morant is like a great name, right? And so maybe it is John Morant. I'm not ready to cede him that that yet because I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best player on the team and he'll prove it otherwise and has a big personality. Yeah, I uh, very clearly John Morant has the potential to be. In fact, he has the potential to be something that we have never seen in this franchise because it, it, the stars, such as they are, have been a nuanced, subtle 
sort of appreciate braiding the efficiency of Mike Conley and his both hands and the greatest athletes in franchise history were Stromal Swift and right. Rudy Gay, and, and neither one didn't quite turn get out. It. Right, you know? and so it's either Mark and his passing or Zebo. It's a miracle he can do what he does, having that he never leaves the floor. Like right. these are not. We have the potential here to have a star who is an incandescent, fun to watch star, and so he has the potential to be the face of a franchise, but. Uh, here, I, ma- I made a list. Here are the number two picks since yep. two since. Here are the number two picks since two. So we had, last year was uh, a Bagley. I mean, was uh, was right? Who yeah, Bagley. Be? Bagley's going to be, be great, but he's he not going to be the, the second he best could player. Be the in face the of the franchise, we don't know. Before that, tell me these. How many of these people are the face of the franchise that drafted him? Lonzo Ball, Definitely Brandon not anymore. Ingram, no. D'Angelo Russell, Jabari Parker, uh, Victor Oladipo. There's uh, one, but not the not the team that drafted Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Derek Williams, Evan Turner, Hashim Thabit. I'm not even like cherry picking. Right. This no, is the that, full, that's the list. This is yeah. the full list. Michael Beasley. Then you have two. Uh, you've got Durant, who very clearly was the face of the franchise. Right. But then you get Lamarcus Aldridge, who was sort of a reluctant face of a franchise, I guess. Right. For a, I don't know if he was ever because he they went. He was great. He was very good, but they, he went from Brandon Roy's sidekick to Damian Lillard's sidekick. Right. I don't know if he, he was, was ever the face of the franchise. And so then before that, you go back to Marvin Williams, Emeka Okafor, Darko Milicic, Jay yeah. Williams, Tyson Chandler, Stromile Swift. That's yes. that's, that's the, the complete history. list. Right. And so, I, like, I think he has the potential, no question, to be. But I need to make sure he's yeah, not that's one why of these I'm trying, dudes. I'm, I agree with you. I'm trying to tap the brakes a little bit. I think he was the right pick. I think he's going to be really good. But I'm trying not to assume too much I mean, yet. Did, he there, didn't even play in summer Is there league. any reason to expect more of him than the Bucks expected of Jabari Parker? Jabari Parker was going to be a stud. Um, Maybe. I think there were some questions about Parker's defensively. But there's questions about Morant right. defensively, too. And so, I, you know. I, I, think, I mean, there's some of these who were clearly Michael Kidd Gilchrist was a a, a, yes. a down. You, we you knew that it was a big drop off. That was not a quintessential number right. two pick. Derek Williams was in a bad draft too. That's another that's, big drop off. That's right. a big drop off. But but like Michael Beasley was supposed to be a star. A lot of these guys were supposed to. Brandon Ingram Lonzo was supposed, Ball to, be was supposed to be a star. Lonzo Ball was supposed to be a star. Uh, Marvin Williams was supposed to be a star. Um, now Jay Williams obviously had other you know he had the motorcycle accident, but that's all. I, Jay I Williams just, was bad before the motorcycle is, accident. By the way, if John Morant is what people think hope he will be. I do think, despite the big personality of Jaron Jackson Jr., et cetera, he will eclipse him as the face of the franchise. I just hope he is what he turns out, what what people have the dreams that he might become. Poise uh, off the court doesn't, you know, automatically translate to success on the court. Right. But, but he has shown it yeah. so far. John, John Morant has shown that. And I think fans are, you know, they're always going to be bought in one direction or another at unrealistic levels. But, you know, I literally talked to a guy at AutoZone Park who had gotten John Morant's autograph, and he was so excited, he not only thought he was going to be rookie of the year and that the Grizzlies were going to make the playoffs, he said the Grizzlies was at, would advance out of the first round. So wow, people can get a little carried away, but it beats the alternative if, if oh, yeah. you, no, you know. Better. Oh, oh, it's wonderful. I mean, the, the fact that they got the – it's unbelievable the level of they got. I mean, two years ago, Chris Wallace said we want to be in the top four, and that's you know, and they ended up right. And now they they luck into John Moran. It's been rem- a remarkably a uh, couple of lucky breaks for this franchise. All right, our fifth and final summer look back question, which does look ahead a little bit. The schedule came out as I have done every year for the past few years. I I did a consumer's guide to the home schedule where I rated every game on a four star scale based on entertainment value and nothing else. 
Um, I ask you guys, as basketball fans, which visiting team would you be? Are you most excited to see? And the choices are Mike Conley's Utah Jazz, Kawhi Leonard's Los Angeles Clippers, LeBron and the Browns Lakers, Zion Williams, Zion Williamson's New Orleans Pelicans, or your defending champion Toronto Raptors with Marcus Hall. I'm a sap, and so I'm going. Uh, I want to see. I would like to be there mostly for Mark and Mike. For Mike, probably more because we sort of had a goodbye from Mark already. Right. Um, so. I would like to see the return of those two players. I just that's how my heart is is wired. Um, after that, Zion, and because that could be fun for a long time, and they're also here. He's here on MLK Day, right? Aren't they coming here on MLK Day? So I would like to be there for that game. And then after that, Kawhi and LeBron. Like that's great. I'd love to like to see great players, but I'm in. I'm in it for the sentimental stuff more than just seeing this new constellation of great players. And honestly, I get bored by the LeBron thing. I, I just I get a little weary of it. Not not of LeBron, right, of right, LeBron's right. return to FedEx Forum. I just get a little sick of it. First thing I thought of was in the old days of the pyramid when the Grizzlies had virtually no chance every night, and when they would when they beat the Lakers in beat the pyramid, LA. yeah, beat LA, yeah, man. that That's that fun. was something. So. If they could do that, especially if the Lakers are what a lot of people it would think be a they're repeat. going to be. Because that game, I've, I've researched this recently, and something I'll have out next week. That game at the Pyramid, it was the defending champion Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. And it was a young, youngish Grizzlies team. But it was, Jason Williams was the best player on the floor right. that night. Sellout crowd. You got that beat LA chant going. That was one of the great moments early in Grizzly, Memphis Grizzlies history. Right. Yeah, let's, it let's can't turn feel back the like clock that on again, that, can it? Because they can never be that young and plucky. And I mean, they are young and if plucky you, again. Well, it would be interesting if when those Lakers teams come to town, because there's going to be so many Laker fans there. Right. If it's a close game late and it looks like the John Morant, Jaron Jackson Grizzlies are going to win the game, is it going to have that beat LA feel to it or not? Right. That'll be interesting. Or, or at this point, because it's a different atmosphere now, where, where people, people, you know, with with the with the the way tickets are sold, you can sell your tickets to finance the rest. And I just think a lot of people are going to sell season ticket holders. are going to sell to Laker fans. I'll say that I, I got the people over at grind city media were nice enough to invite me to do a little video with them this summer where we did a draft of the, of the home schedule. And my strategy for that, which I was drafting for myself, not when I wrote the column, I was writing for other people. This is me. Right. I made a point of not getting the Laker games because I don't like being around the Laker fans. <laughs> and that was before they had Dwight Howard. And right. so they're even more unlikable now. And so to me, like, I don't like being around the Laker fans. I think that Clippers game is a setup for disappointment because uh, Paul George probably will not be playing yet. And it's the second night of a back-to-back. -back, and Kawhi Leonard, I think, is a coin flip to play in that game right. at all. And I think it is the Mike Conley game. Partly because of Mike Conley's return. But also, I just think Utah is interesting this year. I know they're not a glamour franchise, right. but Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, like I want to see that team anyway, just as a basketball fan. So I think that would be my, be my answer, both for the sentimental reasons and just for the pure NBA nerd reasons of wanting to see that team. That's the team that's easiest. You know, you're, you're if you're a Grizzlies fan, you're hoping the Grizzlies do as well as they can. But to me, I think a lot of people are going to follow Utah and really be pulling for Mike all year. That's just. How can you oh, not? Very clearly. How people can you are, not? People are going to be pulling for Mike. There's no question about that. There's, um, because, and pretty, it helps that the Grizzlies are – I mean, yes, he's in the West, but the Grizzlies are out of it, like from the beginning. People understand the Grizzlies aren't going to be a factor in the playoffs. And so 
it's easy. Just like last year, there were a few grumpy people who were sour about Mark, but everyone I think was basically, to the extent they were, they were happy for Mark and they yeah. certainly enjoyed his drunken celebration. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think I think people will be rooting for Mark. But I will say, even though Utah is my answer on this one in terms of the team I'm most interested to see, when I did that draft thing, my number, my number one pick was the MLK game, day game with the Pelicans and Zion. Right. Um, Zion versus Ja, MLK Day. I, th- I think that's that's be a, great. That is, yes, absolutely. All right, we're going to wrap this up for Jeff and for Don. I'm Chris Harrington. This has been the Daily Miffy and Grizzlies podcast. Thanks to Gil Worth and the OAM Network. Thanks to Natalie Van Gundy on the ones and twos. Um, you can subscribe to us at dailymiffian.com. You can get this podcast and all of the rest of our audio wherever you get your pods Stitcher, Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. We deliver tickets, team merchandise, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.